Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. We'll get into this episode's conversation right after this. Gain the insight and knowledge that thousands of business owners and their advisors have used to plan for the future. The BEI membership equips you with the proven process that enables owners to exit their business on their terms. Receive access to case studies, podcasts like the one you're listening to now, a resource toolkit, and so much more. Cement your position as the trusted advisor to your most successful clients. Get started today by visiting exitplanning.com forward slash membership. That's exitplanning.com forward slash membership. And with us today is a is a really a very interesting guest. He really got into the whole exit planning world. His name's Chris Goebel uh, from Ohio. Uh, he's with uh, BEI Member Legacy Advisors. And Chris is not an advisor. He's a business owner, or he was a business owner, so he really became interested in the whole exit planning process because of his experiences selling his family-run business and family-operated system as a business successfully to an outside third-party buyer. So building on that experience, he's become an exit planning advisor himself. He's got a great story to tell. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. Great. And so let's start with, you know, why did you become interested in, in, in exit planning? And I know you're active in selling your business, so that's probably what gave you an interest in doing exit planning. That's true. Yeah. So what, what did that? What, what did your sale process look like, and what are you doing today to to capitalize on that? So our sale process happened in 2008, and. Uh, our family business. I was involved with four, five other family members in the business. So it was a big you group. You guys were all active in it? Yes. Wow. And uh, we were blessed to grow it from a mom and pop organization to a multi-million dollar corporation. And in 2008, um, our, our transition, our business was actually sold in April uh, before the big crash came. I was going to so say, we, was it great timing or poor timing? So it was good timing for us. <laughs> um, but it actually started earlier uh, in 2017 or 2007 uh, in, towards the last quarter and we were we've been contacted throughout the years by different brokers yeah. uh, but it just wasn't the right time and we were contacted by uh, one broker um, <clears throat> to be acquired and that was through Fenway Partners and then another player came into the market which was uh, Coach USA and in the end, uh, we end up going with Fenway Partners, and we're aligned with their business unit, Coach America. Okay. So what? So what is Coach America? Coach America is became is a network of privately owned bus companies that were rolled up under so that's one what banner. Your family business was. Yes, we were in a motor coach company. Okay. We were um, able to build a business to be the 16th largest privately held bus company in the country. Oh wow! Wow. So, how did you, how, did they approach you then? It was a negotiated type of a sale? So, it was a negotiated type of a sale. Uh, again, we worked through a broker that was specific to that industry. Uh-huh. And uh, everything went smooth. We actually had two companies that were 
we ran as one. One was Lakefront Lines, which is a motor coach company, mm-hmm. and Hopkins Airport Limousine Service, which was our bus, our airport-related services and contract service company. And um, we went through the process. Um, my brother, Tom, and myself were the two leaders going through the process. We were uh, voted in to do that, uh-huh. and so we were really involved in the process, and I really enjoyed going through that transition process, what was involved with all the due diligence and speaking with the other advisors um, through that process. And <clears throat> so in 2008, uh, April, we were officially sold, and we, were, myself and my brother Tom were asked to stay on to run the business. Okay. And then in 2012, we, it was sold to a publicly traded company out of the U.K., which was Stagecoach Group. Mm-hmm. Which, incidentally, they own Coach USA, which was one of the people I was trying to acquire us earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, with that, he left, and then I stayed on, and um, was able to build the business up to the next level. We were just under forty million in sales when I left, and two hundred revenue vehicles and four depots throughout Ohio. Wow, it's a great story. Was there friction among the children? We all pretty well aligned. We were all pretty well aligned. Um, there was some friction. Um, there the has process. to be with five children. <laughs> um, but yeah. I was, uh, my my solace in that came when I was talking to a friend of mine that was an attorney that was big in the acquisition M&A market. And he said, Chris, for the number of people, family members you got in the business, if you have one or two that are totally happy, you're far ahead of everybody total else. Total win, total win, yeah. So, uh, so I put confidence in that. So even though there was some disruptions and hiccups along the way, yeah. Um, everything ended up for the best for everybody. That's great. So, so now you've sold your you've sold your business. You're no longer involved as an employee of the larger organization. Did you know what you wanted to do then? Did that experience kind of guide you into what you're doing today? I would say it, it contributed to it. It wasn't until we were with the private elite. I mean, the publicly traded company. Um, and I'll call it the public company discipline mm-hmm. and how they were changing from our business model. And I'm like, there has to be more out there than, than this. And that's when I really started to explore and educate myself regarding the business transition, exiting, succession uh-huh. side of, uh, of um, advising. And that's what you wanted to do? Yes. So uh, now you're with... Uh, uh, BEI member organization in Ohio, correct? Yeah, I'm part of, um, with Mark Dorman, uh, Legacy Business Advisors. Okay. Out of Medina, Ohio. So what are you, what are you doing now? So <clears throat> Mark and I work together to try to build that business out. And um, we've um, he's put a good team together besides yeah. me. And uh, we also have a larger network there called LAN, uh, Le- Legacy uh, Advisors Network. And it's other similar um, advisors like us around mm-hmm. the country that belong to this network. But we um, were really making a big push into the transition uh, side of it, whether it's through a continuity plan, mm-hmm. whether it's through a full-blown transition plan. Um, but we're really trying to help that business owner realize the value in their business, which is their sweat equity or, right. that they've built in there, and educate them how they can take that out to make their last phase of their life enjoyable. So are you, based on your experience then, uh, as a business owner, are you, is your part of your role in that to look at the business owner client of the firm 
and help them identify areas where they can grow value? Are, are you focused a lot on the, the actual running and operation of the business and you, you in particular? So, um, yes, we do, try, we do try to do that. It sort of depends what stage you can get, get them at. If we yeah. can get them early enough yeah. where we have a, a five-stage program that we put together, and if we can get them early enough, you know, you learn about the business, you develop a plan, help them implement that plan, and um, modify it, and really be, hold them accountable. And part of that plan is, like you said, having them or demonstrating them ways that they can change their business to put more value into it. Yeah. And sometimes those changes are, are minor compared to the whole operation of a business. Yeah. So, and do you, then you guys stay on board, make sure you're monitoring that progress. And, and then you were saying to me earlier that at, once they've achieved the growth they need, they, can, they will continue to work with you. But at that point, you're going to go out and help them sell the business. Yes, after we've built that relationship, um, they've asked us to come and help take them to the next level, which is broker their business. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something we've sort of just sort of grown into, I think. It wasn't mm -hmm. the plan in the beginning, but um, I think it's just a natural evolution. Well, it is part of the issue that it's it's hard for businesses, say, that are worth less than $10 million today to find a well-experienced business broker. Is that kind of part of the reason you're there? or uh, I think so, and I think, you know, you hit that mark at $10 million. I think the majority of small business operate within that Absolutely. zero to 10 yeah, million. Absolutely, probably 90% or more. And uh, they don't have all the wherewithal or they're not scalable uh, where they have a big management team that can help them get through some of those areas. And it's a real need in the market to have somebody that has experience, that has some knowledge, and it's willing to help them through that process. Right, right. So um, going back to your family with were the five kids, five owners in the business? They were the five owners? Yes. So that per, that business now comes to you today. You're no longer part of the business. You're doing exit planning for them. How would you uh, work with a business that has five owners, especially five family members? How would you approach that? Where would you start? Well, the first thing I would start is really trying to educate them a little bit on the complexities and the number of pieces of that puzzle. And then <clears throat> once you've educated them a little bit, then I think there's a lot of emotions that you have to work with because you're dealing with five different personalities. Right. And it's not only those five personalities, it's the spouses of those individuals. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes those spouses have more influence on the owners in the business than some of the business owners themselves because right. uh, you know they have to go home and that's right. Have peace at night. So that's right. Uh, so how would you take your family, for example? How did the uh, business broker handle that relation? Those relationships? Did did he or she do a good job of that? Did you learn maybe other alternative ways of communicating with everybody? Well, when we were going through our process, you know, we had regular family meetings that we would have through this process in addition but you guys organize that not yes the we we organize that That's so smart and you know then we if we had questions um we would come back to tom and i and then we would then seek out the advice of our legal staff or the broker mm -hmm. so that we would um, satisfy the questions that people would have going through the process so what do you do now so <clears throat> what i do now is i try to help business owners 
see the value of their business and really try to help them take that business either to the next level or to help them transition the business either through a third party or an internal transfer to a family member. It's interesting. So um, with legacy advisors that you're part of now, what percentage would you say of the exits that they plan are third-party sales as opposed to transfers to family or transfers to management? I would say probably at least 60 to 70% of them are to a third party. And I, I think that number has increased over the years, and that's just my opinion. But yeah. I think because the, the individuals who, who have the opportunity to come into the businesses aren't taking that opportunity for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of sad because there's going to be a lot of intellectual property. There's a lot of experience that's going to go away yeah. that's not going to have that continuity. Yeah, I know. And we, I've talked to a lot of our members and just my own experience. There are a lot of owners. I think if owners had their preference, they would like to transfer to insiders. Yeah, maintains the legacy in, in all of that yes. as a company. But they do, part of the reason they can't do that is that those key people within the company may not want to buy it. That's true, too. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to take the risk, or their spouses don't want them to take the risk, to your point. And so we, as advisors, we always want to listen and understand what the owner wants to do, but then we have to also make certain that it's doable. Yes. And I learned that the hard way just practicing exit planning in my early years before we had all the the systems we have today that you know, initially I think I represented a business owner who said, yeah, I'm going to sell to my, my key person. He's runs the business now. He's really great. John, go ahead and prepare the, the agreements right now. I said, well, should I talk to the other, the other guy? Oh no, he's ready. He's ready to go. He says he wants to be the next owner. So prepared everything. Talk to the would-be buyer. I said, okay, now here's how this is going to look. I've got the purchase agreements. We're going to have to go out and get financing for part of this purchase price. And I said, and you do know that that means you're going to have to personally guarantee this. Maybe use your house as collateral. He said, my wife would never allow that. Deal done. Deal. It was over. It was over. We, and I don't, I don't know if I ever got paid for preparing those documents, but I learned an important lesson that the owners have got to uh, allow their exit planning advisors probably or somebody to talk to the management team that's going to be the incoming owner or the kids in your case and make sure everybody's on board and that's part of the, our role as planning advisors to make sure that happens no I, I agree I mean and I'm sure you've heard stories where even though <clears throat> this example you gave was related to a, a, a company who wasn't a person who wasn't a family member same thing happens with family members. The, the, the patriarchs think that you know Johnny is going yeah, to take absolutely. over the business, yeah. and Johnny doesn't want the business. Yeah. And they, they go down that path and don't touch on that uh, priority of communicating that to them early enough, and then it makes them harder uh, to transfer because there's less time on right, the end. To prepare, yeah. And the other side of that is little Johnny may be reluctant to tell his or his father that he doesn't want the business. Yes. Yeah, so that's it. it's really important in exit planning for advisors to be prepared to ask a lot of questions uh, about that, the whole transition. It's not 
fundamentally usually about the money. It's these other issues uh, that are more, I guess, emotionally based or more subjective issues uh, that we have to explore. Yes. And, and if you're an owner listening in, uh, ask, you know, offer those views you have about the business and your your desire to transfer it, why you want to transfer it, and let's make sure that those uh, are consistent with what can happen, I guess is one way of explaining it. Anything else? I keep wanting to call you George because of George Goebel. That shows you how old I am. But anything else, Chris? Uh, no. I appreciate the time and appreciate your questions and Um, It's been a great conference so far. I've enjoyed it a lot. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit exitplanning.com.